1: Today is Saturday, August 8th, 2020. On this day in 1963, a highly coordinated gang stole 2.5 million British pounds from a mail train. The heist became known as the Great Train Robbery. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today, we're discussing the Great Train Robbery, one of the most legendary cash robberies of all time. Let's go back to the early morning hours of August 8, 1963, to the small village of Ledburn in the United Kingdom. Twenty-five-year-old David Whitby sat behind the controls of the locomotive with his fellow conductor 58-year-old Jack Mills. They were driving their 12-car train on their normal mail route from Glasgow to London. It was dark at least two hours before first light, but they both knew the tracks like the back of their hands. And outside of their memories. Both of the conductors were aided by track signals every few miles, telling them if it was safe to proceed. Green meant they were clear to move forward, while red told them they needed to stop at a switch to let another train pass. But normally on this middle-of-the-night route, it was nothing but green lights all the way to London. So at 3 a.m., when Jack Mills noticed a red holding signal, he was confused. They normally didn't stop here and weren't scheduled to either. He asked Whitby to get out and see what was going on. Whitby stepped out into the cool, country air and walked over to the lineside telephone to contact the signalman. As he strode over to the signal, he noticed something odd. The red light looked different than normal he realized a glove had been positioned over the actual signal while the red light was lit up with the use of a battery. Thinking he was going to get to the bottom of the situation, Whitby picked up the service phone, but the line was dead. As he headed back toward the locomotive, someone grabbed him from behind. His attacker grunted, If you shout, I will kill you. Whitby couldn't tell how many other men there were or what they looked like. They were all wearing knitted face coverings. They instructed him to lead them back to the train where he would unlock the doors to the engine and let them aboard. Fearing for his life, Whitby complied. Co-conductor Mills was surprised by the men. He attempted to put up a fight, but was clubbed in the head and knocked unconscious. The men who boarded the train clearly had a plan. The ringleader, 31-year-old Bruce Reynolds glanced down at his watch to check the time. Everything was going as scheduled, but he needed to make sure they didn't fall behind. He ordered the back 10 cars to be uncoupled from the train. He only cared about the engine and the lead mail car, where all of the money was kept. Once the other cars were unhitched, Reynolds ordered Mills, with his head still bleeding from the earlier blow, to drive the train approximately half a mile down the line. They would tell him when to stop. The normally quiet conductor was trembling. He would do anything they asked. He didn't want to die. As they approached their destination, Reynolds told Mills to slow down. Eventually, he told him to bring the train to a full stop near a small crossing over a country road. Reynolds and his men jumped off of the train and looked down. There were two Land Rovers and a large truck waiting for them. Reynolds smiled. Everything was perfect. He walked back to the lead car to watch as his accomplices unloaded large mailbags full of cash. Normally, there wasn't as much loot on these mail trains, but because of the banking holiday a few days before, everything had been backed up. Their haul was substantial. In total, the 15-man crew loaded 120 bags into the getaway vehicles. Reynolds and his men took Whitby and Mills to the lead car and handcuffed them together, They instructed the mail staff, who were lying face down on the floor, to not attempt to escape for at least half an hour. Reynolds looked down at his watch again. It had been less than 30 minutes since they had accosted Whitby, right on time. They headed to their safe house at Leatherslade Farm, Victorious. Victorious. Up next, we'll explore the fate of the robbers and what happened to their incredible windfall.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be with a personalized plan and expert coaching anytime fitness can help make the gym less frightening get more for your gym membership than machines get personalized support anytime anywhere visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today terms conditions and restrictions apply see website for details
1: now back to the story in the early morning hours of august 8th 1963 A gang of highly coordinated men robbed a mail train on its way to London. The heist hadn't even lasted 30 minutes, but the crooks were soon the most wanted men in the country. When the gang reached their safe house at Leatherslade Farm, about 20 miles from where the robbery took place, they unloaded the cash and hid their vehicles. Then they set about dividing the windfall among themselves. Each man was given equal share regardless of their role. Each received roughly 150,000 British pounds, worth more than $3 million today. All they had to do now was lay low. They intently listened to police radio signals, and about an hour after they left the train, the first call went out to authorities. The gang planned on spending a few days in the safe house before slowly trickling out in small groups. To pass the time, the gang chatted, watched television, and even played games of Monopoly, using their recently acquired wealth instead of play money. The days after the robbery, the story made headlines all over the world. But British authorities had no idea who these men were or where they had gone with all that cash. The authorities knew at least one of them had to be an insider with the railway. There was no other way they would have known about the high volume of cash on the train or where it was kept. But days passed with no leads. Eventually, the heist crew left their safe house to return to their homes. They had seemingly gotten away with the crime of the century, and they were eager to live more comfortable lives. The ringleader, Bruce Reynolds, would soon head for Mexico with his family, where they could enjoy a newly lavish lifestyle. But on August 13, 1963, Scotland Yard made a breakthrough. A farmer gave them a lead. He had seen an increased amount of traffic coming and going from Leatherslade Farm. When authorities arrived at the farm, they found 20 empty mailbags, They scoured the house trying to find evidence. They looked for any object to lift fingerprints from, but the crew had wiped down most of the surfaces. When all seemed lost, investigators stumbled upon the Monopoly game box. They dusted each game piece and card, managing to lift a few fingerprints. It was all they needed. A week later, Scotland Yard arrested a florist named Roger Cordray. From there, everything unraveled. Two weeks after Cordray's arrest, 11 more accomplices were apprehended for their participation in the heist. In January of 1964, 12 of the members of the crew were put on trial and convicted of their crimes. The majority of them were given 20- to 30-year sentences, but they all appealed and were given lighter terms in prisons. Even those like Bruce Reynolds, the ringleader, were eventually brought to justice. Five years after escaping to Mexico and then Canada, he was apprehended on a trip back to the United Kingdom. He pled guilty to ensure that his family didn't receive any charges for abetting him. Reynolds was sentenced to 25 years in prison. But he, like many of the others, only served a fraction of his time. He was released 10 years later, in 1978. The Great Train Robbery was regarded as the most lucrative cash robbery at the time. Many members of the gang were treated like folk heroes and seen as a symbol of inspiration during a period of economic recession. And even if many of them spent years in prisons, it might have been worth it in the end. In total, the police only recovered about 10% of the stolen cash. The rest had been spent or squirreled away. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Maggie Edmire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.